Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe and internationally. Hello, this is Stephen Adams, GC Senior Director in the Global Council office in London. Today, I'm going to be having a chat with Jens Prestus from the GC Macro team about a piece of analysis that he's just published on the GC site, um, which looks at an interesting and I think often overlooked aspect of Chinese diplomacy in Europe, Chinese economic diplomacy. Um, Jens, start, start us off just by giving us the, um, the, the, the trigger for your analysis, which I think was um, the EU-China summit last week mm. and some of the uh, developments in the weeks leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so there was a couple of um, couple of events that triggered me to to look at this um, in, in particular. Um, obviously, the summit was the main one, but then um, you had Italy um, endorsing China's Belt and Road Initiative uh, in the lead up, causing a bit of a storm in, in European politics. Um, when you say endorsing, just just explain a bit more what exactly it is that Rome has done, so and why it was so controversial. So by endorsing, you're not signing up to anything. You're not committing to any funding or taking any funding from, from China. You're simply saying that this is an initiative that, that, we, that we like and we want to be part of. Um, and in effect, they also then signed for a memorandum of understanding um, in which um, they uh, wanted to um, potentially take on um, uh, subsidies and, and financing from uh, from China to build ports. So what's the big deal? Uh, the big deal is, is that um, this is the first G7 country um, to um, to endorse the initiative and to um, to work much more closer uh, with China on its initiative to uh, to um, improve its trade routes and, and to, to make it easier for China to to get its goods to, to large European markets. But that sounds relatively anodyne. I mean, why the controversy over a G7 member taking this kind of proactive, positive position with respect to the BRI? What's, why is that seen as something uh, undesirable from the point of view, say, of many in Brussels? Um, I guess the, the immediate thing is that, um, which has been the case in some of these uh, situations where China has um, has provided funding for large infrastructure projects to smaller states, um, some of these um, funding schemes have had um, in small small writing. There has been some um, some ways in which um, in Sri Lanka, for instance, and not the not the EU, but um, still, um, if you can't repay. Um, the loans that are given to you, China in some cases have the opportunity to seize the assets, seize the assets right. uh, which is if China has the ability to seize assets in Italy uh, and potentially other uh, large European states, that is something Brussels looks at um, as a slightly slightly scary thing. Right, so the, so the, the critique of the BRI in this context is that it, it what superficially looks like uh, you know, a, 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 um, a piece of global infrastructure construction and at the most benign level the projection of Chinese soft power actually under the surface has some fairly hard power angles to it and potentially is a source of considerable Chinese leverage over states that participate, that take Chinese funding and then ultimately find themselves uh, in some way um, uh, uh, exposed to, uh, to, 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 to Beijing's prerogatives in the future. Yeah, 
Right. So, but your, your point in your blog was that this is in fact just one example of what is now becoming quite a marked pattern of Chinese mm. economic diplomacy yeah. in particularly the Balkans and uh, southeastern Europe. So explain a bit what you see there. Um, so um, another interesting point is that in the lead up to the summit, um, the European Commission labelled um, uh, China as a systemic rival, whereas a lot of other states, uh, including now Italy, but mostly from the Balkans or Eastern Europe, Southeastern Europe, um, has more looked at China as an, a strategic partner, um, an alternative source of funding for the for the mentioned infrastructure project projects that many of these countries are struggling to find financing from. Um, clearly, they receive uh, most of their financing from Brussels, um, but that's largely um, to uh, maintain uh, existing infrastructure and for uh, politicians who seek to um, to build more substantial infrastructure that. They've been promising in lead, um, lead up to, to elections, and after being elected, I feel like they have to, uh, to fulfill those promises, whether it's large railway projects, roads, linking um, their, their own countries with, um, with, with neighboring countries and, and wider Europe. Um, that, is, um, that is one of the, one of the key things um, that is important to, to point out there. So China um, is stepping into that? funding gap to the extent that these governments feel they have a funding gap. Yeah, because they, they have every opportunity to ask Brussels for, for, for funding for, for these things, but sometimes um, if Brussels don't really see the economic benefits, at least in the short term, uh, to fund these projects, um, they've said, said no, at least we need, to, we need to wait, we need to assess, uh, whereas China um, more easily has come in and said we'll happily, we'll happily fund this um, for our own sake, we can um, expand our and use our excess industrial uh, capacity. We can improve trade routes for our own goods, and will um, um, improve some bilateral relations. And in your piece, you actually look at one particular example of a piece of infrastructure mm. uh, which uh, had failed to meet Brussels's requirements. Yeah. Uh, I mean, give, give a, just just tell us a bit about that example. Yeah, um, so that's an interesting one in the case that um, it's. Um, uh, what was supposed to be a high-speed rail between uh, Belgrade and, and Budapest, um, capitals of, of Serbia and Hungary. Um, One an EU member state. Yeah, so yeah. you have Hungary being an EU member state and Serbia is not. Potentially in the future, uh, they aspire to, to be. Um, and the Chinese won, The Chinese company won the procurement process, which turned out to not be an open one. Um, Serbia, not being a member state, um, went ahead with, with construction quite, quite shortly after, whereas in Hungary they met some obstacles um, with Brussels saying, wait a minute, uh, something's not right here, um, we'll need to, to look into this more and before we can start construction on this. Um, the interesting case there is that it went from high speed to just an um, upgraded railway. Um, this, it, it takes a long, I think roughly nine hours um, and as it is now. Um, and they wanted to, 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 to improve that. Um, the EU said then, um, this is the, this is, there's something wrong here. Um, and in the end, they cited rising costs of everything, but this was clearly not the, and, um, not the, real, not the real case of why they started an investigation into this. Um, so as of now, construction started in Serbia. It has not in Hungary. Uh, and the project has, in many ways, stalled to, to, to some extent. But this illustrates the way China can more easily 
um, inject funding into uh, non-EU states, but doesn't have the same strict procurement rules as uh, as EU member states. But you, I mean, that's an interesting point because you say non-EU states, but of course, as you say, Serbia is an accession state. Yeah. Uh, many of the Balkan, a number of the Balkan states are accession states. But the point you make in your blog is that actually this process of becoming economically dependent or taking on this exposure to Beijing mm. may actually end up, end up playing out in the accession process. So yeah. tell us a bit about that. Um, so I do mention um, another case uh, which, um, where this has been a problem and that's uh, for Montenegro, which is um, not, a, not a member state uh, but wants to be in the near future. Uh, Montenegro took on um, um, a multi-billion uh, loan um, a few years ago to um, to fund um, a road um, a large link, linking Montenegro into in, into Central Europe, um, and because of the high debts, um, the EU said this is your debt levels are way too high uh, for us to be able to accept you as a member state, and so uh, the accession was delayed uh, quite significantly, and um, there hasn't really been any progress since, and this was a few years ago. So that halted uh, Montenegro's um, accession process uh, quite substantially, which is an interesting case when you look at, so both of Serbia, um, Montenegro, and Hungary, all of these three states are part of um, China's second initiative within Europe, which now is called the 17 plus one, used to be a 16 plus one. Um, Greece recently joined uh, when they had uh, their meeting on, on Friday. Um, most of the funding to all these 17 states has gone to um, the states in Balkan that are not member states. So it shows both that it's much easier for China to get their funding into these countries and, and, and finance these, these projects, um, but also that it's, um, in some way you can, you can argue that it's a way of uh, China to, to expand um, and increase their, their influence in some of these countries. Um, and it crystallizes, a, I guess, a, a tension for these states between the desire or the requirement to meet EU rules and to align with EU rules yeah. and ultimately to adopt the acquis yeah. uh, to prepare for, for accession and the short-term fix of access to Chinese capital for infrastructure development. Yeah. You make the point in the blog though that this is not just a, um, a Southeastern Europe issue. I mean you say, no. you, you say uh, it's now the 17 plus one. Yeah. Uh, that implies this goes much further than just that southeastern corner of the European Union. Yeah, so within that group of countries it's mostly uh, Central or Eastern European states. Um, the few countries that, um, that China um, started funding initially was um, Poland, Hungary, um, mostly states that have had some kind of anti-establishment movement um, developing over the last few years that have been more, um, been more accessible and more welcoming for Chinese funding um, as kind of a um, saying, to the, saying to Brussels, there is an alternative here, you're not the only one uh, that, can, that can provide us with funding. Um, so that's, but in addition to the, to the 17 plus one, um, you have um, other, in addition to Italy as well, you have Portugal and Spain has also been much more welcoming for Chinese funding for infrastructure projects uh, over the last few years, especially Portugal, um, the um, uh, Chinese FDI stock has increased rapidly since 2013. Yeah. Um, and be part of the challenge, and you, you, you point this out in your blog, is for Brussels or for Paris or Berlin or for EU member states that are skeptical about this apparent foothold for Chinese economic diplomacy is, what do you do about it? I mean, what what, what has Brussels got mm. apart from rules, austerity, 
um, to counteract the apparent carrot of Chinese capital? Um, so the, the tricky part for, for Brussels there, and especially um, especially then Paris, Berlin, um, as you say, is that they've been uh, over the last few years, especially since over the last ten years uh, since the financial crisis, been imposing austerity measures on many of these countries, um, saying you need to to get your finances in order uh, before uh, more funding can come in, before you can spend more money, um, and this has made it difficult for for these states to uh, not just maintain the infrastructure they have, which is so in in Italy with the, the bridge in Genoa collapsing, but also to build more. Um, and obviously for non-member states, the the, um, the ability to be part of, or the opportunity to be part of the single market and being integrated into Europe has many, many benefits. Uh, over the long term, probably much more beneficial than to receive some funding from uh, from China or other states for, um, for railroads or, or um, some other um, infrastructure. But to provide incentives in the short term has, especially over the last 10 years, been a problem for, for Brussels. Mm -hmm. And it's finding it difficult to... to and politics is often about short-term incentives. Exactly. Yeah. Um, especially in, 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 in um, democratic governments where um, the rulers change quite rapidly. Yeah. Um, now, the, one, one final point you make in your blog is that um, this is likely to play out in a range of ways, clearly... It, it starts to divide, and this is not a new divide, but it starts to sort EU member states into, mm. as you say, those who see China as a strategic rival and those who see it as a potential strategic partner. That's that's not a new dynamic. That's no. been going on for a while. Yeah. But that that Chinese um, that Chinese foothold um, is likely to express itself um, not just in that tension between member states, but potentially in the capacity of the EU to c come together behind the united position on yeah. China. So just say a bit about that. Yeah, um, so there's a couple of things there that I also mentioned um, mention in the blog that is important for, um, for the EU uh, and which this scenario and, and the case of, of China's involvement and influence in, uh, in Europe and specific states is having an impact on. And, um, one of the key things that the EU has been um, has been known for um, is its um, stance on human rights or an international law, um, and the ability for China to, after it injects um, money to um, to fund infrastructure projects, it's it gets some kind of the, these states open up for influence from from Beijing, um, and this is not only in internal politics but also the way they uh, view international affairs and, and, and foreign policy making. Um, so in the, the case of um, Chinese behaviour in the South China Sea, um, the UN tribunal ruling there is saying um, that China doesn't have any mandate to, to operate as it does. Um, a coherent EU stance on this was blocked by a couple of member states, Greece and Hungary, uh, who didn't want to sign on to, to this, um, largely because of their relationship with Beijing at the time. Um, and this is... Um, this is Potentially something that will be an even more um, urgent issue within within uh, within Brussels. Yeah, and certainly something to watch yeah. over the months and years ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. You can read Jens's blog and a lot more at the Global Council website, which is www.global-council.co.uk. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.co.uk and subscribe to our mailing list. You can also follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.